Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third episode of Our Journey Through Childhood Cancer with your host, Ben Schroyer. In our last episode, we kind of discussed a little bit about the beginning of our journey, right? We went into a little bit about the treatment program they put her on, the chemo, the chemo causing the fluid to back up into her lungs, collapsing one of her lungs, the whole emergency surgery, putting the tube in to drain the fluid off of her lung. We got to meet my boys a little bit about how they handled it, uh, what they would do different, and their suggestions for other siblings that's just now going through it. You got to basically see into the first part of a childhood cancer journey. So in this episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some shout-outs to people that, that really deserve some shout-outs. I'm going to continue on our journey a little bit, talk about what happened next and the steps going forward and the complications and some side effects and, and other issues that we came across and in life outside of the hospital. So yes, we have this going on right now with our daughter. We have a diagnosis that we have to wrap our heads around. You'll hear me say it all the time, wrap your head around it. We have this diagnosis, but we have life outside of the hospital. We have a lot of things going on outside the hospital that's affecting our everyday life on top of what we got going on in the hospital. So I'll share that with you because I know that we're not the only ones. That while you got this journey going on, there's other things that happen that are substantial outside of the hospital that you have to learn to deal with as well. Some being more than others, our case, I felt like we got handed a crappy hand there for a very long time. I'm not going to say crappy. I'm going to say shitty. We got handed a shitty hand there for a while, and it really tested my faith in God. There's no doubt about it. It really did. So first of all, you know, my mother-in-law, Terry, and I'm giving shout outs. I, I'm definitely giving her another shout out. She was there from the beginning, right when Hannah was diagnosed. She was with the boys, like I shared in the first episode. She stayed with us through the emergency surgery, the, the tube being placed for the fluid being drained off the lungs. And it was just much needed. We, my wife needed somebody else there with her. And I couldn't be because I was home with my boys. And they needed me at home. So thank you so much to my mother-in-law for all she did throughout this entire journey. Thank you to my mom and dad who flew down right after Hannah's diagnosis and took third turns at the hospital, my mom staying as well. And then my grandma, Marion, coming in, and she stayed as well. So thank you all to those, those, those people. My, my family was amazing. Ginger's family was amazing through all this. In that's what has to happen in a journey like this. It really does. That's how we all fight this together. And that's how we stay a little bit sane. So here we are in the hospital. Hannah's tube still inserted. And one thing I didn't share with you guys in the first episode of the beginning of our journey, the last episode to be exact. One thing I didn't share is 
you know, it's everything's foggy, right? I, I say that all the time because it's like, oh, I didn't, I forgot about that. I should have said that. Because when I do this podcast, I take a few notes, but a lot of it comes from right here and right here. Because that's where it has to come from. I'm not going to read anything to you. I'm just going to talk to you. Because that's how I talk to other childhood cancer families that are going through the same journey that we went through. And I let them know they're not crazy. I felt the same way. And I'm here for them. I'm here for them. We're all here. Everybody in childhood cancer world that's been a part of this community will be happy to sit and talk to another childhood cancer family at the drop of a hat. I can promise you that. So we, the one thing that I didn't share, and I'm getting back to that now, one thing I didn't share was when you get diagnosed with cancer and you get put on a treatment program, especially when it comes to chemo, they give you all the what is the side effects. In my terminology, the curveballs, right? I like baseball, so you're going to hear me say that a lot. There's another curveball. Y'all learn how to hit that one. And there's a lot of curveballs. Well, this curveball was the, one of the side effects. One of the side effects being hair loss, sickness, flu like symptoms, high fevers very nauseated, lots of pain. That all comes with chemo treatments, all of it. The side effect we had with the fluid backing up into the lungs. And now one thing they shared is they don't like to do any type of procedure or any type of surgery whatsoever when you're on a chemo treatment, during treatment. Why? Because chemo depletes your entire immune system. They call it A and C. That's your immune system, A and C. Your numbers should be 3,000 plus for a normal person. I, I believe that's the numbers. Don't quote me on that. I'm speaking from my head again. So, But your numbers got to be high, right? Well, when you're down in, in chemo treatments, your numbers go down to like zero. Zero. So one thing they don't want to do is any type of procedure. Why? Because infections can rise from procedures. And if you don't have an immune system to fight it off, it can become deadly. So one thing that happened during this whole tube being placed for the fluid being drained off her lung thing was doctor comes in and says, I have to take your daughter down for surgery. We need to put a tube in her to drain all this fluid off of her lungs immediately. I said, I, I thought you don't want to do any type of procedure during a chemo treatment. She's on chemo right now. I said, you're right, we don't. But Mr. Schroyer, if I don't take your daughter into surgery right now, she's going to die. That's a gut check for you. Okay, take her. What else are we going to do? It was one of those damned if you do and damned if you don't type of situations. So if we don't let her go into surgery, she's going to die. So she has to go into surgery. 
and the risk of surgery is infection. And if she gets an infection, she could potentially die from that as well. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And many families get told that as well. So she that's one thing I just I, I forgot to mention in the last episode about the chest tube. After the chest tube was inserted, you know, my, my mom was in for a while. And I want to get a little bit into about that because there were some things that happened there, out, which is stuff which when I'm talking about outside the hospital, that I feel like I need to make people aware of and just let people know that this is what we had going on as a family all the way around. So my mom was at the hospital with Ginger right after Ginger's mom had left. And it's a little foggy on all the timing. And and I, I'd have to look back in Ginger's notes and, and calendar. And, and I'm, I'm just not going to do that, right? So my mom's at the hospital right after Terry. And my dad's in town. And my sister's in town. And I remember my mom was staying at the hospital with Ginger. I was home with my dad and my sister, and my dad receives a phone call. He goes outside on the phone, and I kind of walk out in the garage, and I hear him on the phone, and he's a mess. He's losing it. He said, what? What? And he's, he's, he's crying, and he's just a wreck. And I'm thinking the very worst, right? I'm thinking something happened to my daughter. Something happened to Hannah. And they're not, they haven't told me because they're calling dad to tell dad so he can break it to me or take me back up to the hospital or something. I'm completely losing it. I run back in the house. I tell my sister, I don't know what's going on, but dad's really upset and he's on the phone. I hope it's nothing with Hannah. What not? I go back outside and I say, what's going on? What's going on? What? Talk to me. And he's still on the phone with my mom. I go back inside and I was like, he's not talking to me. He's not telling me anything. He's telling me to go away. And my sister said, well, call Ginger. I said, oh, that's a great idea. I should just call my, I should call my wife. She answers. She says, hello. I'm like, oh, what's going on? She's like, what do you mean? What's going on? I was like, I don't know. You tell me. My dad just got a phone call. He goes outside. He's talking to my mom, and he's a mess. Oh, I don't know. Um, your mom was in here. She got up on the phone. She went out in the hallway. I haven't seen her since. I'm like, Hannah's okay? Yeah, Hannah's laying right here. She's, I mean, <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> she's, she's, she's here. I go, nothing that I need to know. No, Ben, I'll... I would let you know that. I'm like, okay. So, of course, I was freaking out, but I feel a lot better knowing that. It, now I'm thinking, did something happen to one of my grandparents? Like, what in the world could be possibly going on? Why is he so upset? I go back outside. He's just getting off the phone. I say, Dad, what in the world is going on? And why are you acting like this? He said, your mom just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Of course she did. That's exactly what I said. Of course she did. 
Why wouldn't she? Because in all this stuff going on in our lives, that's that's one other thing that we need right now. I tell my sister, she loses it, just like my dad did. One thing that I've always tried to do is be strong in our family. At this part, point in time, it's kind of hard to be strong. But I basically look at him and say, like, you guys got to get get a handle on things. Like, I can't ha- have this right now. Like you, like, you guys can't be acting like this. We got too much going on, and we're just going to have to come together and be strong as a family. Because I didn't need any of that, and they didn't need to be like that either. And I told them they need to pull it together. And they did. They, they they started pulling together, and I made some jokes, you know, about like, hey, when you say rock bottom or life isn't fair, huh? You know, and that's where I kind of looked up, and it's like, you know, I questioned God, like, what what is it, man? What have I done? What have I done to deserve any of this? So we have this new diagnosis now. My mom has breast cancer. So that's stuff going on outside the hospital instead of what's going on with my daughter. And we have to deal with that as well. So the boys, we didn't really even tell them about that. Like it was like they've already soaked in enough information. The last thing they need to know is now that their grandmother has cancer. So let's figure out the the, the depth of my mom's cancer. They're going to learn a lot more when she gets back. And we can kind of break that to them as as we need to. Because the last thing I want to do is hit them with something like that. We didn't even know the magnitude of the situation except for it was caught very early, which is always a good thing when it comes to cancer. So we had to go back up there. And another side effect, uh, you know, a few days later we went up there and Hannah still now on her second round of chemo. So she had the chest tube inserted. It was in her for 19 days. She had that. They finally were able to remove it and kind of that allowed her to get out of bed a little bit. But she started round two with that in. And normally on a cancer treatment, like I explained earlier, you know, you have a round of chemo and then, you know, five or six days, and then you go home for seven or 10 days you go back to the doctor, blood work, all that, check in to find out if you're ready for another round of chemo. Well, we didn't get to come home in between one and two because of that setback, of course. So it was a long first stay, equaling like, I don't know, 42 days? Something like that. It was crazy the amount of time that they had to live in the hospital that first stint. And... So the other side effect, you know, is, is of course, starting to lose the hair, right? And now everybody sees the cute little bald-headed kid at St. Jude's commercials. and Oh, look at the, the kid with the bald head, you know, the fighting cancer. And call it cute, whatever. I can promise you that's the only cute side of cancer, of childhood cancer. I, I can promise you that. So, you know, Hannah's hair is starting to come out a little bit in places, and we decided it's time that we had a friend of ours go up and, and buzz her head. And 
this part of the journey is one of those that kind of really hits home and reminds you that this is real life. I have a hard time talking about it sometimes. I choke up when I speak about it, but I have to share it because I know many of you out there who's a childhood cancer family is experiencing the same thing or have have experienced the same thing. And so, you know, I called my wife and I said, hey, is, is she getting her hair cut today? And she said, yeah, she is. She's actually just got here. And I'm brushing Hannah's hair. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you're brushing her hair. She's getting ready to get it all cut off. And I said, oh, you're, you're brushing her hair? She's like, yeah, Ben, I am. Because I don't know if this is the last time I'll ever get to brush her hair. Oh, that's a hard pill to swallow. Because she's right. She's exactly right. That may be the last time that my wife ever gets to brush our daughter's hair. Oh. You know how many families out there have brushed their child's hair for the last time in a journey like that, like this. So it's something that, you know, it's a that whole tough pill to swallow, wrap your head around. It's uh, something you don't think about. So if you are in that situation, it's, it's something to think about. And I'm glad my wife took the, the minute, the moment to do that because it was good for her, it was therapeutic for her. On another note, changing it up here to a little bit more happy, if there is happy. So since Hannah got her hair cut now and she's this little cute bald-headed little girl, my boys said they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to look like Hannah. They wanted to shave their heads just like Hannah did. Now, this time in our lives, I was coaching a travel ball baseball team called the Vipers. I had this whole baseball team. Great kids. And my son, who was eight, was on this team. And, you know, he said he wanted to shave his head. So he, he shaved his head. And when we were, we were talking about doing it, the whole baseball team said they wanted to do it, too. In support of Hannah. How cool is that, right? How awesome is that? It was good for my boys. It really was. The the lady who cut, our friend who cut Hannah's hair, came back to her shop, and all the boys lined up, and they all got their haircuts. Every single one of them got shaved off. Bald-headed little kids. It's the cutest thing ever. And it was the most awesome thing ever to show that we're all united in this journey with Hannah. And it made me feel like 
we're all one big community and that people loved us. And that's exactly what you need to feel during a childhood cancer journey. It really is. You need to feel like you people care. And people do care. And people care about your story. I care about your story. 100% I do. This journey has to be fought together with the entire support group just like this. You know, I was talking to a mom a couple days ago of a family that through our foundation we've been able to help here recently and we're, we're helping a lot of families here as of late and I don't I mean it seems like the hospitals are just getting crowded with new cancer patients childhood cancer patients but anyways I was talking to her as I do every single family out that we help and I was getting their story, and I was listening to their story. I was sharing a little bit about our story and our journey and why we became a foundation. I was sharing with her about the podcast. You know, her son just got diagnosed with B-cell, A-L-L. And I asked her, I said, do you have a do you have a Facebook page for him yet? No, she said, we don't. I said, well, that's one thing I do recommend. So for everybody listening if I haven't said it yet, I'm going to say it now. If you don't have a Facebook page, you need to, to look at getting one. And, and I'll tell you why. Because everybody that's in your life, and that can be hundreds of people, friends and family members, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you name it, it can add up quick. And they all want to know what's going on with your child. Because, you know, they care. They, they really do care. And unless you want to sit down every other day or every few days and text a hundred some plus people what's going on, create a Facebook page. Journal it. My wife started a Facebook page for our daughter and she journaled everything from day one, maybe day five or six, but she started. It's important to do so because you can check out our Facebook page if you'd like. It's called Healing Hannah. Healing Hannah should be up here on the screen now. Yep. Healing Hannah. We have 3.5 thousand followers. And you know what that relates to? 3.5 thousand prayers. So when Ginger shares an update on Hannah, on what's going on, or asks for prayers, these people pour in the love and support. And it's so nice to see and read. We're thinking about you, girl. We're praying for you, baby girl. Thoughts and prayers to you and your family. Love Hannah, pray for Hannah, all of it, all of it. So if you don't have a Facebook page, I suggest getting one. And there's other platforms out there where other other people use to, other families use, like Carrying Bridge is one of them. So whatever it is, I just suggest doing that because it really helps. It really helps you 
to be able to see how many people truly care about your child. So start a Facebook page. But I was sharing this with the the family that we just helped here recently, and we were talking back and forth about her child and the diagnosis, and I was explaining to her a few things that, you know, she could do or use, or and she was so grateful that I was sharing that information with her. And she said, you know, it's just something that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And she, that's never more true. I, I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm going to steal that phrase because that is a perfect phrase to use on my podcast. You do not know what you don't know. And we learn that together in a childhood cancer journey. And that's why this podcast exists. And I really, truly hope that you're getting something out of it. You're taking away something from this. We went on to talk a little bit further and and we were just sharing, you know, ideas and, and thoughts. And she's very grateful for the assistance. And again, the whole don't be too proud to ask for help because it's not a handout. It's not. It's not a handout at all. So here we are. And this episode, you know, I wanted to bring another family on, um, but they had some other issues pop up that they weren't able to come on. So hopefully next week I'll be able to get them on. But I want to thank you all for tuning into this episode. There's a lot more to come. We have a lot more curveballs out there. Uh, And I, I just want to say, again, thank you all for the continued support. I'm getting some really nice emails over this, over this podcast. And I'm hoping that we can continue to grow this thing and bring many, many, many other families and speakers on and doctors on and you name it. Like, cause that's what this thing's all about. Sharing not only our journey through childhood cancer, but everybody else's as well. And what doctors are, are saying and what what we can do together to make childhood cancer non-existent. How nice would it be for this podcast not to have to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. I look forward, as always, to next week. And have a good night, everybody.